Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us. Each week, we invite authors, mentors, friends of ours who have an inspiring message, who are living their life well. And so our goal is to learn and grow, and we want to invite you to do the exact same thing with us. So hope you're ready. Let's dive right in. Well, guys, we saved one of the very best of the best for last. Yep. Guys, we cannot wait to introduce you to our new friend, Kristen Hill. Kristen is an author, speaker, and co-leader of With You Ministries with her husband, Eric. Yeah, I have been counting down the days to this one. This conversation resonated so much with me in so many ways, and I can't stop thinking about it. I mean, I pretty much had chills the whole time. So I can't wait for you to hear it, and I can't imagine a better way to close out the season as we break for summer than this message of go and tell no one. Yeah, and the topic that we're talking about today, man, it is so yep. vital, and it hits home for me, and I know for us, and, I'm, and I hope for you that are listening. In this kind of over-social media-obsessed culture where everyone wants to share everything in their world, we're going to talk about how Jesus tells us to go and tell no one, and that our value in Him is more important than the applause of men. Yeah, we all long to be seen, known, celebrated, and affirmed, but as Kristen reminds us today, the only true fulfillment of those longings is found in the secret and sacred time with God. We talk with Kristen about the upside-down way of Jesus that says the most holy moments in life are often those no one else will ever see. So prepare for your toes to be stuffed on today in the most wonderful of ways as you lean into Kristen's wonderful wisdom and sweet reminders of God's truth. Listen in. All right. Well, we are so honored to have Kristen Hill with us today. Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, guys. Good to be here, Kristen. Jenny, thanks. Absolutely. Well, we have been really excited, looking forward to this interview. But before we dive into all the exciting things you're doing, the projects that you've created, we're going to talk about all that. Just take a second for our listeners and let them know a little bit about you. What's your story? Just, just give them that kind of quick overview of who you are. Yeah, sure. Kristen Hill. I grew up in Texas. Yay! You guys, Texas forever. Um, all my family is still there, actually. But um, I've been married to my husband, Eric, for 22 years. Nice. He's a pastor and, and worked in traditional settings our first 15 years or so. And then uh, in 2010, we started with You Ministries. We have three beautiful girls that are 18, 16, and 12. Wow. And we live just north of Atlanta in Milton, Georgia. Nice. That's awesome. Three well, teenage girls. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> That's crazy. We're going to have to call you. We're, yeah. Oh, it's gosh. a whole thing. It's but a whole so thing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's a sure. whole thing. But they're so fun. That is awesome. Well, we're so thankful for you guys and for your ministry for with you. And um, we're going to jump into hearing a little bit more about that. But just love what you're doing. And we love your hearts for authenticity and just serving people. Um, so thank you guys for what you do. Thanks. Yeah, I want to. I want to take a second before we dive into this project that you've created. Um, talk a little bit about that. You said you did ministry for 15 years. There's a lot of people who listen to the podcast who maybe have a dream in their heart and they've been doing something for 15 years and like, okay, I think I want to take a jump. Talk to me about that. You, you know, you guys had this comfortable job. You had these three girls, and you decided, hey, let's go do something really crazy. <laughs> right. Can you let us in on that story a little bit. Yeah, huge journey and. Probably like a lot of people, it was born out of our own experience. You know, we think of life sort of in chapters, and those first couple of chapters were maybe a little bit more traditional, and 
defined more by security, but without knowing it, even though Eric was the one on staff, I think we both began to have our identity defined by the doing, you know, and sort of when church is your job, but also your community and the place where you serve, but also the place where you're the people that you're walking life, that's a, that's a lot in one place. And if we're not careful, our identity can sort of begin to be wrapped around that, that doing and all the ways that we might serve or just the way that we live and move in the world, sort of through the filter of who we are. You know, it's like in our culture, we if you go and meet someone or you're at a party, people say, what do you do? You know, and it, right. I mean, we the culture is set up to ask the question, right? What do you do? And so... Um, the ministry sort of came to be that not only in our own experience, but in most of the people that we also knew in ministry. And it can be true of any profession, right? It can be true of you as a parent, as a mother, as a father. It can be true of you if you're a doctor or a teacher or or whatever. But to begin to identify yourself and your identity to be held within that role. And so that experience allowed us to unlearn that. And what does it look like? to just rest in your being in Christ, no matter what you do, no matter your job and no matter how that fits into life. But yes, certainly a journey to step away from all of that and to step into this, you know, we're a 501c3 nonprofit. And so transitioning, I'd say probably the trickiest part for us and the, the hardest part is to go against culture and to go against the American dream and sort of go backwards on the security ladder, you know, mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. to leave a, a salary and, and the comfort of maybe things that are known and to just step into the mystery of following God and what that can mean and to shift from the security of that to the complete mystery of trusting God in that. And, and you know, part of our story, part of the name of With You is looking at the story of Moses and looking at this burning bush moment and he he's calling Moses out. And when Moses asks the completely understandable question, like, why me? I don't, I don't think I'm your guy. (laughs) God doesn't like give him a pep talk and sort of like act like a coach sending him back into the game. Like you've got this, you're ready, you're prepared. His only answer is I will be with you. Mm -hmm. That's how this is going to work. Mm. Not because of you, not because of your training, not because you've got this great plan and it's all mapped out. None of that. It's, I will be with you. That's where the rest comes. And so really truthfully, the name with you came from our own experience of walking through that journey. Like, do I believe that is enough? Mm. Do I really? I mean, I've written it down in my journal, but (laughs) am I willing to walk away from the security of, of life as we know it? And so that's our own experience and our own journey. But, but a lot of what we're able to sort of talk through with people as we're, as we're walking with them. Cause that's something I think we all face in different ways. Absolutely. I love that so much. Talk a little bit more. What are some of the specific things that you guys do as a ministry to serve people? Yeah. We create resources and experiences to help people rest and remember that God is with you. And so a lot of those, you know, the Bible study is, is a resource. We've got a couple of things that we um, make available that support the ministry, but also point to the mission and allow people to sort of have those reminders up everywhere in their lives. Um, But then we also create experiences. We do a lot of retreats. We do some community gatherings kind of throughout the year. And this whole other part is this really just one-on-one walking with people and to help them take action that supports where God's already working in their life. So 
And, and we get to do that a lot with people that are pouring out in different ways, pastors, worshiper, like lead worshipers, uh, missionaries, parents, teachers, that kind of stuff. That's so awesome. That is awesome. It's really fun. It's a gift for sure. Well, I love that you're getting to do what you love. And so speaking of that, you have created this new curriculum called Go and Tell No One. So tell us what that's about. We'd love to hear all about it. Yeah, sure. Thanks. It's one of those things I was mentioning it to Jenny before. It's funny for me when the opportunity comes to share about it in a little bit more of a broad spectrum because like appreciate the irony with me. The title is go and tell no one. Right. That's so, why I chuckled a little right. bit. Totally. Like, yeah, for sure. It's one of those things that feels like maybe we should not talk about this, but mm-hmm. um, again, it's that thing that in God's own personal working in my own heart, it was born out of my own journey of studying this in scripture. And, and truthfully, if I'm honest, it came out of the wrestle that comes with what so many of us face today, I think we've got parts of our lives that, that we love and feel great about. And for me, as the first couple of years that we were stewarding this ministry, you know, you there's just all this great training in the world today and people tell you what to do and do this and you got to have this in place and you got to be able to tell people this. And, and I remember after one of our like maybe one of my most favorite days ever of sitting with someone, a leader in ministry that was really wrestling through some things. And we got to walk with that person. And it was just one of those times the Holy Spirit took over. We probably didn't even need to be there. It was just a a beautiful thing to watch. But we saw this person sort of remember again what's already true, remember where their identity is. And after it was over, I said to Eric, like, I was like, it's so interesting that so many of my most favorite moments in ministry specifically, are things we will never talk about again. Like no one will ever know. No one ever, no one will know this happened t- today here at our table. And it's not something we'd share. It's not something we're going to post about. It's not something we're going to put in a letter to our to our people. Um, but learning to live in that wrestle of like, thank you, Lord, that you let me get to be a part of that. I don't want to steward whatever it is you have for me while also going, it's okay if some of those things are things that nobody else ever knows about. So really it came out of my own wrestling and certainly in our culture today and social media, we've got these kids coming up behind us, generations that will have no reference right. for experiencing something amazing in, <laughs> in any facet of their lives and not reporting it somehow. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so going, how does that fit? And so honestly, all that swirled together. One day I was literally sitting on our porch, just sort of having my time with the Lord in the morning. And and I was wrestling through that because all of us in the palm of our hands at any moment, you can start scrolling and then start to think like, am I doing this right? Like, is what I'm doing even, does that even matter? Mm -hmm. You know, and especially if we're in seasons where maybe we're raising children or or our our job or, or the way that we serve is not something that's applauded in any way, you know, right. you know, we sort of can assume that something doesn't have value if it's not something that's talked yeah. about. And right. so in my own wrestling, the Holy Spirit brought to mind that phrase, go and tell no one. And it was sort of like, what is that? What is it? You know, and I started looking and do you ever, ever have that experience? I was kind of like, oh gosh, there it is. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, there it is again. Yes. Has this always been in here? I feel like this <laughs> Mm-hmm. I feel like this is new information. <laughs> like, yes. 
sort of going, there are so many times in scripture that Jesus has this life-changing encounter with someone and then says, go and tell no one about this. Yeah. And it's in there a lot. It's in there several times. Like once I started looking, kind of going like, what? Did I just miss the times that we talked about this? I It wasn't even a concept that felt familiar to me. And so it began just as my own, like, what is that? Pull the thread kind of, what is the heart of God behind this truth? You know, I want, mm-hmm. I'm enough of a purist when I study that I want to know, like, what did it mean at the time? Why was it significant? What did it mean in the context of this setting? But then what's the timeless truth behind what God is saying? How does that apply to me today? And so I really just spent a year studying that, never with the intent of of anything other than just sort of like, Lord, bring truth to this in my own heart, you know, just so yeah. I can follow you in this. And anyway, it was just sort of one of those things after a year of studying it, I first, you know, sort of mentioned it to Eric and then sort of to the people in my circle. And, you know, I just, I think it is something that's stirring in the heart of God's people right now. Just this, where do we fall on the spectrum of let your light so shine before men? Where do we fall on the spectrum of wanting to do that, really wanting to serve with like noble intentions, but then also going, when I look at the heart of Jesus, he, he modeled this. Right. He chose to give value to time alone with the Father. And he he lived a life the first 30 years. We know nothing about it. Right. I mean, he was born. There's a little blip when he was 12, you know, and then he could have chosen to set up his ministry any way he wanted to. And, you know, I think we're at a time in culture where we think louder, wider, bigger, broader. And that's absolutely true some of the times, right? I mean, we're, we've all been blessed by those types of platforms and those types of ministries. But if Jesus himself created a life that looked a little different, it's worth looking into, right? It's, right. Worth, it's worth looking, what was his heartbeat in this? And what's the model? And then, so the Bible study is really looking at all those go and tell no one passages, but then sort of even going beyond that to look at all the times that Jesus sort of spoke about that heartbeat he spent a lot of time speaking into the places of our heart that sort of hold intent and the tricky, the tricky areas for us as believers. Yeah. It's so huge. And I couldn't agree more. I started reading it. I literally came home and just plopped down on the carpet with Chris and I was just ranting like, you won't believe some of the things she is saying in here. We've had exact conversations about, um, and two of the things that stood out to me, I would love for you to talk more about one of them, obviously this idea that you're talking about the go and tell no one. It's really what you're talking about is the discipline of secrecy that God gives us. And it's a gift. You know, we're reading some of these spiritual discipline books and working through them with a group of friends. And it has been so transformative to us. And one of the biggest ones has been this, this discipline of secrecy, because it it is so countercultural. It is. It is completely countercultural. And it feels like in order for something to be valued and valid, it has to be widely applauded or at least shared. And the, That's tr- right. and the truth is the opposite. What Jesus actually says he sees and he values is what's done in secret. And that right. it actually adds value to our lives when we do it in secret. I, I mean, That's it's right. just so incredible. Um, and it's something we have to practice because everything around us is screaming, notice me, notice me, approve of me, approve of me. So 
I would love for you to talk more about that. Um, and then I'll, I'll come back to the other thing. Sure. Yeah. I think what you just mentioned and what you guys, the conversations you're having, I think they're happening in the body of Christ a lot right now because we are looking for what does God's heart be for us in that. And when you look at Jesus, take sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. I think we would all agree this huge passage of truth that Jesus is is giving to his people. It speaks to this heart that you were talking about. Yeah. He, he speaks to this deepest part of our heart that holds our intent. And he talks about all these different areas, right? When you're giving, when you're serving, when you're fasting, um, when you're praying. Right. And actually, it's worth it's worth reading. It's it's a fun little passage to study on its own because he talks about like be careful that it's not something that's becoming a show. Right. And and really, what's really cool, and we do it in the Bible studies to look at the original Greek language. There, it's crazy. The original language was kind of like make sure you're not being like an actor on a stage in a theater when you're drawing attention to yourself because of the ways that you're serving me. Yeah. And so I think, you know, he just talked about in Matthew five, this let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. But what I think is so huge here. And honestly, I love the the tenderness of Jesus here because I think we shouldn't view these big sections of scripture that talk about this as if Jesus is disappointed or surprised when we struggle with this, I think that he anticipates this struggle in us. And that's Mm -hmm. why we get a a really big part of the Sermon on the Mount actually addresses this. Mm -hmm. I think he's leaning in and saying, guys, this is a hard one. Mm -hmm. This is going to be hard. It's going to be hard to serve me and all the things that go along with that, the spiritual disciplines you mentioned. Mm -hmm. It's going to be hard to do that without wanting to be noticed for doing that. And I think he speaks right to that struggle. I think he anticipates, you know, Jesus, this in his humanness, I think, is acquainted with the things that are hard for us. And so when Jesus talks about this and challenges us to sort of have these moments where we, our relationship with God has these things that happen in secret, it's assigning value to them And Jesus is modeling it for us, right? I mean, how many times do we see, and Jesus got away alone to the Father to pray? You know, I mean, that's in there a lot. He valued rest. He valued time alone with the Father. Um, So he he modeled it. But then even in his words, I think he he speaks to that part of our heart that holds intent. And and just the honest struggle, if we're honest about it, we don't have to be. We can pretend it's not a struggle. But (laughs) I think who among us— right? doesn't appreciate a little way to go every once in a while. And, and so I think the challenge comes and I think it can even come when we begin from a place with completely pure motives, like, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I want my life to live a message that points back to you. And I think Mm -hmm. there is a, a natural, it's like, I feel like Jesus anticipates the natural progression of the course of a believer that along the way, it could get murky. Right. In am I glorifying my father in heaven? Or am I sort of like, okay, if the light shines back on me a little bit as well? Mm. You know? And <laughs> yeah. I mean But I'm just doing it for you, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> totally. it's just right. for you, Jesus. And yeah. you know, that's that's a struggle that is the long history of man and especially yeah. the people of God before Jesus, they could absolutely present themselves as righteous before God with a heart inside that was anything but and far from him. And, you know, I think just 
in our culture today, it's an important practice Mm -hmm. to sort of go before the Lord with this search me, oh God posture. We talk about that a lot. This Psalm 139 posture of search me, like show me, bring to the light. If there's any parts of my life, if there's any times where I sort of am shining the light back on myself or the reverse is true, that I see my life as less than if I don't have a platform or if I'm not doing something publicly. Right. Right. I mean, and I think that just might be a huge plot of the enemy in our culture today to make us think that there's exactly 11 people that get to sort of be the experts and the rest of us just listen and follow along and scroll, you know? And of course, that's not the heart of God. That's, that's not the way that Jesus chose his disciples. That's not the way he set up his ministry. There's so much for us in there that speaks to this heartbeat of God that is countercultural, but we just got to look there, right? Yeah. We got to look and and continually go back to learn and to remember what's already true and to remember God's heart for us in that. Absolutely. I love it. Well, so okay, as you've practiced this in your own life, what are some changes that you've noticed in your life and your family as you guys have kind of lived this out? That's a great question. You know, I think learning to look through a different lens. So I think as I go about my day, there's different parts of my life. You know, we all wear different hats. There's Mm -hmm. some parts that sort of have a naturally gratifying built-in process. And then there's the parts that we're all, any any grown-up gets to sort of have be a part of their life where nobody's applauding you, nobody's giving you accolades. It's not like, guys, I made another dinner. (laughs) I just had lunch, but I made another dinner for you, you know, (laughs) like here we are again, but we all have those, those times, you know, where we're, you know, God gives us people right near us to serve Mm -hmm. and to sort of like reframe a little bit to say, I'm going to assign value to the things that I know are important to the heart of God, even if no one ever knows about it. And so, um, I think the practice of putting your head down on the pillow at night and recalling things and beginning the practice of giving things value, not because anybody ever knew about them, but it's something like learning to say, thank you, Lord, that you let me be a part of that. No one else knows about that. But I believe that you you say, I will be with you. So I can now view things differently. Not that I'm going about my day doing things for God, but I'm doing them with you. You're inviting me to participate in the ways of building and serving the kingdom. And it's okay if most of those things happen in a way that no one else will ever know about. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to treasure those things. And one of the things we talk about is the way that Mary treasured things and pondered them in her heart. And you can't find a more epic moment than when the Messiah of all mankind was born, right? That was a big moment. But when we look at that and we study that and look even at the original language, she modeled this posture of understanding that someone something was so sacred and holy that it was too important to share. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Right? Yes. Like I'm not going to cheapen it yes. by assuming that the value comes in talking about it. Yes. Ooh. I'm going to preserve it and let it remain sacred and just appreciate that you let me be a part of that Jesus. And so I think that's a practice that is 
that's available to us all day, every day, right? As yes. we live and work and, you know, raise our families and it's a, it's a mindset shift. So you totally made me think of this quote and I'm grabbing it because the book's right here, but the book that we're reading about the spiritual disciplines with our friends, um, it says that the desert fathers had a saying for the connection between secrecy and the heart that is warm towards God. And if you want to keep the fire hot, you must not open the door of the furnace too often. And so what they're saying is whenever we share... What is Oh, I know. I'll send it to you. It's, it's That's okay. incredible. I know. The book is called The Life You've Always Wanted, and it's by John Ortberg. And it's just about the spiritual disciplines. And I love him because he explains it in a way that we can all understand. But I loved that. And we've been talking about it a lot. When we open the door of that moment that we experience with God, even if it's out of a good heart to just share it with others, some of those things, like you just said, they're too sacred to share with everyone. And it lets the heat out of the moment of what God was doing in our hearts when we share, because it wasn't meant for public consumption. It was meant for our heart between us and God. So it's just incredible. That's so good. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And what a great, what a great word picture for just that concept, sort of that paradigm shift in our, in our minds. Yes. So I drive Chris crazy sometimes in the morning because I'll be like, oh, I just had this great time with God. And he's like, tell me about it. I'm like, no, I can't. I can't let the heat out. So funny. That's awesome. So I think for me, a a seven on the Enneagram, a natural talker, (laughs) a let's let all the heat out so the whole world can know what God's done. But when I reference the scriptures, because my whole life, I've loved when Jesus said, hey, don't tell anybody. But... I want to hear your take from the study. What did they do? Most of them told everyone. Told. Yeah. <laughs> Most yeah, of them told awesome. everyone. They didn't listen. But yeah. And then a story was built. Uh, the fame of Jesus was known and people's lives got changed. And so I think for me, I always have to re- ride that line, you know, because it's like telling a kid you can't have candy. The second they tell them they can't have candy. They're, they want all they want is candy. They're just kids, and they just kids just want candy all the time. But you know what I'm saying? Like I'm in that place, going like, right, talk to me a little bit about that. As you've kind of dove into the study and you looked at that, can we, can we talk a little bit of that side of the story? Sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, and you're right. There are so many times as we look at the first couple of weeks of the study, talk about different different passages, and you know some of them. Chris, like you mentioned, some of them even say, the more he told them not to tell, the more they told. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But again, I mean, if I'm being honest, if I couldn't see yesterday and I can see today. Right. I mean, yeah, I I understand the temptation to tell. I think it's important to take a step back and to sort of go, maybe it's less about why or why not and more that God is always working in this bigger story, Mm -hmm. right? Always working in this bigger story. We don't often fully know what that looks like. Sometimes our obedience is about what he's doing in our own lives and our own hearts. And sometimes it's about the bigger story. And one of the things we mentioned, if you want to sort of really get to the root part of why Jesus was saying those things in this time was because of the way his ministry was unfolding. And we, we spend a lot of time talking about that. Um, biblical commentaries call it the messianic secret, how it was this heart that Jesus wanted people to hear his message in the context of his gospel, not that people would just line up for like one-stop shop healings. 
you know, and we do hear several times in some of the gospels that the crowds would get so big, they would press on him and he would say like, I have to go to the next town. And so the truth is one part of why he said that in those times, in those moments was because of the way he wanted his, his ministry and his gospel to unfold with context, Mm -hmm. like within the context of his preaching and his teaching. It wasn't guys line up. I can do all kinds of awesome signs and wonders, you know, but that is part of the draw of the, of the reason that people came. And so I think part of the go and tell no one command was often so that people, there was a greater chance that people would hear and know and understand the heart of Jesus and his gospel within the context, not just for the miraculous. And so part of that points back to what was happening in that time. And for us, you know, the secret's out. We, we know who Jesus is. The messianic secret no longer has to be kept, but the heart behind it still is applicable because deep within the heart of man for all the generations, there is a tendency in us to want to approach God with what he can do for us instead of understanding who he really is and stopping to hear his gospel, to understand his grace, to learn what it would mean to follow him, right? I mean, we can relate to the tendency or to the temptation to come before God with a little bit of like a, if you would just do this one thing for me, God, (laughs) if I could just (laughs) buy my key or whatever it is, you know, that we've all, we've all prayed those prayers. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we go to tell the story, we can only tell the story in part because we don't know the full picture. Yeah. And so we wouldn't be telling the story accurately. We would only be telling our interpretation of it. And so, you know, the truth is, I think all those commands are in there. Sometimes it is go and tell. Right. Sometimes it's go and tell no one. And the invitation, of course, is to stay close enough to the heart of Jesus to discern yeah. what it is in that moment and what it is for that time, what it is for the setting and, and all that. So does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And that leads into my very next question. It was on the tip of my tongue. How do we practically discern which times mm-hmm. are to go and tell and which are to go and tell no one? How do we know? And I, you kind of just answered it, staying close to the heart of God. But practically, what are some things that we can use to help us discern which things are just ours to keep between us and God and which need to be shared so that we can encourage others and shine the light towards Jesus? Yeah, that's a great, a great question. I'm glad you brought it up because it's an important distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, wouldn't it be awesome if at the back of our Bibles was like a chart? <laughs> you know, kind of like, yes, here's. Here's the times, guys. Yeah. You, know, you could just be like, oh, okay, got it. It's all tidy and managed, and I know exactly how to follow God in this way. And of yeah. course, that's not the way of Jesus, right? right? There's always an invitation. Even when even when Jesus spoke and we asked questions like this, when people would come before him with a question that was like, that's a good question. You know, he'd answer with a parable that was not necessarily clear, but it gave the listener this chance to sort of actively participate and go, okay, so what you're saying is this, and then have to learn how to apply it. And I yeah. think that's the whole heartbeat here, right? Mm-hmm. Is And that's because there is a command to go and tell, yeah. but then there are also times when it's go and tell no one. So I think it all has to go back to what God's doing in our heart. And I think the way of Jesus was to ask questions to reveal what's going on in our hearts. So 
there's no better, better model for us when we're shepherding, when we're parenting our kids, and when we're asking those own questions of our own heart and soul. Mm-hmm. You can't beat the way of Jesus and to begin by asking questions. And I think a great heart posture is like we talk about in the study, this Psalm 139. You know, if you read the, the entirety of that Psalm 139, it's this great, like, I know that you know, and you know, but would you sort of let me know what you know? Kind of this, <laughs> you know, search yeah. me. You have searched me, oh God. He starts out, you've already searched me, you know, but then at the end is this posture would you search me, oh God? Would you examine my life? Would you show me any places in my life where I've departed from your best for me? And actually, one of my favorite things is when you look at the original Hebrew there, it's this mind-blowing thing that really draws us in close. So I think learning the practice of taking that posture, that search me, oh God, oh God posture, and, and really it can also be as easy as sort of asking yourself the tough question like, would this be as much fun if no one ever knew about it? <laughs> sort of like, yeah. am I taking great joy and satisfaction in doing this because of what it means in light of my life and other people knowing about it? Like, do I take great joy in this? Would I be doing this mm-hmm. if no one ever knows about it? You know, is maybe just an honest way to sort of challenge that part of your heart. Like, am I doing this as an offering before God? Mm-hmm. Or is this thing that I experienced with him, is it made more special when I share it? Did the encounter alone with him, is that special enough? You know, And then I think, you know, you can take sort of those same, that same heartbeat. And if you're determining like, is this something I share? Is this something, maybe a friend is going through something that you've experienced. And our reflex is to, of course, share like, oh, I have something for that. And, you know, again, just sort of asking your own soul questions, like, would this be something I'd want to share if that person never knew that it was me that that experienced this? Or, you know what I mean, just sort of taking that posture of examining what's deep inside and really the intent behind things. Right. I love that. And I love that you hit on making sure that our hearts are in line with with Jesus. And that is where the discernment comes from. And um, I love, again, the Ortberg book says, if our heart and our motive is to serve, then it's worth sharing. And if our motive is to impress, if there's any part of it that is to impress, then that shows us that the answer is no. Um, So I would love to know, you know, the study's out, people are are going through it. What is your hope? What's your greatest hope? When Mm -hmm. somebody goes through this, what is your hope that they'll receive on the other side of it? Oh, that's a great question. Thank you. You know, I think a huge part of the Bible study and and sort of why it became something that I wrote and sort of put out there was this encouragement to get people back into studying the Word of God for themselves. We live in this time and culture. It's an embarrassment of riches. I mean, you know, you just reached over and grabbed this amazing resource, you know, and the palm of our hands at all times. We can hear sermons and podcasts and all the great theologians of all time. So if we're not careful, we can get in the practice of just constantly consuming great stuff, life-changing stuff, but really only other people's revelations from God. And I don't think we should give up on that practice, but not at the expense of our own 
study of God's word, right? He tells us over and over again, that's part of the way he speaks to our own hearts individually. And I think something beautiful happens when we position ourselves to let the Holy Spirit and the already spoken word of God pastor our own souls. Mm. And sometimes I think we unknowingly just give up that amazing blessing when all we're doing is consuming other people's wisdom. And so a huge part of the study is different than really any other study that I've done because there's a lot of just, all right, here's the thing. (laughs) Go study it. Yeah. You know, and um, it's great. I've heard from so many people that have been like, it exposed this part of me where I was like, I wanted to turn the page and I wanted you to give me the answer. Like I wanted yeah. there to be a system where I didn't have to do. If I ran out of time, I could maybe leave the answers blank and I turn the page and you give me the answers the next day. You know, yes. so many of our things are like that. And, and that's not bad, of course. And there's a little bit of that, but it was more encouraging and hoping that each of us, wherever we are, would understand that all of God's word is for us. His word is for all of us, right? But all of his word is for us. And so, you know, when you think about Jesus and the way that he chose his disciples, I think everyone was amazed when he chose them from the most unacademic of places, right? Mm -hmm. He walked right past the guys who'd been chosen for the extra rabbinical teaching. And he went to these guys that had been rejected. And one of my favorite parts of the study is at the end There's this great verse in Acts, it's Acts 4, and it says that when Peter and John went, this was sort of after Jesus had gone, and they're they're going and telling, right? So they're taking that part of the commandment, they're going and telling, and they go and stand um, before the courts. And it says, they could tell that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, but they could tell that they had been with Jesus. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. good. I mean... I can't almost say it without getting choked up because I think that's its own huge thing that we need to really sort of sit and pay attention to because I think there is this tendency in us to forfeit, like if we haven't been to seminary, if we're not in ministry, if we're not a Bible study teacher, then we can think, well, I've got to do somebody else's Bible study instead of sort of knowing God has given me everything I need to study his word. So my first answer to that question, 15 minutes later, (laughs) I'll start again, (laughs) is that people would accept that invitation to study God's word for themselves and that they would lean into that opportunity to have God's word pastor their own souls because of what they are learning. And so that's my first hope. And then my second hope is that we would begin to value and honor this mindset that time with Jesus and the secret and the sacred is is a gift. It's a treasure. It's something that we can assign value to because Jesus himself did. And to sort of begin to view things differently than the world where things that are shared and things, you know, this the sharing of things get, makes them valuable. And so learning to sort of understand that's, that's not entirely the heart of Jesus and, and to look into that and have our lives be transformed by that. It's so good. Love, love it. it. Love it. Love it. Love this whole concept. Yeah. And I might just, I don't ever jump into my wife's Bible studies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, this is a real it's time. Thing. But it may be time. It it's may time. Be time. All right. We're going to jump into the kind of the final portion. You said you've listened to the podcast before. We do our totally. lightning round. I'm sweating. I already know the questions that are coming. <laughs> and 
<laughs> well, here they are. I'm going to read them for you. Okay. I'm going to read them for you. What's a book that's changed your life? What's a habit that's changed your life? And what's one piece of advice you would give to the younger you? So, what's a book that's changed your life? Ugh. It's hard to pick one. Okay. Yeah. These are great questions and traumatizing <laughs> because I, oh my gosh, it's like choosing a kid, choosing a favorite kid or something. Um, I would say I love all the books that speak to spiritual formation. All the things we've probably all read have lots of those favorites. But when you ask the question, like what's changed my life? I think my first thought is Chronicles of Narnia is C.S. Lewis, and really, even in a broader sense, the whole genre of allegories. I mean, oh, I love that. We we read the whole series, The Chronicles of Narnia, out loud as a family, and it was so transformational for us. You know, I think it gives language. I think it, I think there's something beautiful about that, that genre. We're disarmed a little bit. Like, we're, we don't approach those the way that we approach spiritual formation or theology books, right? But because of that, it like sneaks up on us where we see this new characteristic of God that maybe we haven't known before. And I I just love that. I I think, you know, Narnia is this great example of that. Recently, this summer, I read Hind's Feet on High Places by Hannah Hernard. It's that same, it's it's been out there forever. You've heard about it forever. And I'd never read it till the summer. And it's, oh, it's so good. Okay, I just got it. I just got it and I haven't read it yet. It's sitting on my table. So now I'm going to, now I'm motivated to read it. It's the same thing. It's an, yeah, it's an allegory. Where at the end, you're like, oh, you know. Okay, just, cool. Oh, I can't wait. It was neat because we got to watch our son at the time. He was 11 or 12. Him go, wait, whoa, wait, whoa, what? With the Chronicles of Narnia. He's like, yeah, yeah that's They start sweet. clicking. It's, it clicks that, oh, that's good. And he's like trying to figure it out. And then he's like, <laughs> wait a second. Yeah. I think there's something beautiful about that, that type of writing. Yes. So yeah. rich. Okay. So the second question, what is a habit that's changed your life? That's easier for me. I think um, I would undoubtedly say just choosing to every day go to God's word for myself, to allow the word of God to to pastor my own soul. And I would say that even within that, when I learned the practice of studying the original language, I feel like things that had always been black and white became 3D, technicolor, neon, amazing. And so I love, love, love. And, And part of that is in the Bible study is helping people to understand how approachable that is. The languages as a whole are not, but there's great tools for us to get a deeper understanding of what God's word is saying to us. So that's a huge practice I love. Yeah. You're, you're teaching people to fish instead of just giving them a fish. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's right. So good. Okay. And what piece of advice would you give to the younger you? That's a great question. And ironically, this summer I got out this tub of journals from my college age like Ooh. there was like 20 of them and I hadn't read them you know since then yeah. but I sort of like read them like a series so it's a beautiful question to think about because as I was looking I think I didn't at that point I didn't understand rest I didn't understand what it is to live from a place of rest and this notion that it's our being in Christ, not our doing where we find rest Mm -hmm. and that no outside thing, no secondary longing, no relationship, no job, no position is going to ever satisfy the deepest longing. And it's not ever going to position us 
more closely to Christ either. I think so often in God's protection is when those things are pruned in us. And it was so interesting to sort of like watch it unfold as the journals would go on in this great heartbreak. The next season I would, I would pick up the next one and it would sort of point back to like, oh, you know, I had, I had to learn that. I had to understand. I had to lose that. I had to, um, but I didn't understand rest yet. I didn't understand what it is to rest in Christ and to let him be the one thing, the first thing, the first love and, and to let everything else sort of fall in order under that. Oh, that's so good. Love it. I love it. All right. Well, where can our audience find you, follow you, pick up this study, all that good stuff? Oh, thanks. Yeah. So we've got withyouministries.com is our website. So you can find, you know, all the stuff there. And actually there's a um, free leader's guide for the Bible study, go and tell no one. There's a free, it's a free download. If you're just sort of wanting to go a little bit deeper in your own study, or if you want to sort of like, hey, I think I might gather some women and meet in my house or at your church or whatever, there's a great leader's guide to just help walk you through that if you feel like you would like to have a hand to hold. So that's there. Um, and then on all the socials, we're with you ministries.com. And I'm Mrs. Kristen Hill, like M-R-S, Kristen Hill, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-H-I-L-L. Perfect. And we'll link to all of that in the show notes. Kristen, it's been such an honor having you here with us today. Thank you for all that you do and for sharing this incredible message with our listeners today. Thank you guys. I'm so grateful. Thanks for the opportunity to share and thanks for all that you're doing. Like I said, I am a listener and I I love (laughs) the podcast. You guys have great people on and you ask great questions and I'm grateful to to be a listener and also to be here today. So thanks. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, guys, we hope that you thoroughly enjoyed this as much as we have. What a way to close out this season. Yeah, it has been such an incredible season, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening every week, for sharing, um, and for letting us know how God has moved in your lives through these conversations. We have learned so much, and we have grown so much over the last year, and it is an honor and a privilege to do it alongside you. Yeah, so our prayer is that for you, over the next month or two, before we get together again, that you will rest and that you will have those intimate moments with Christ and the other people in your life. Enjoy these last few weeks and days of the summer and really celebrate how much God loves you. And remember, go and tell no one. (laughs) Yep, like Chris said, we'll be taking a break for the month of July and we will be back mid-August with Mm -hmm. season three of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Really excited about what's to come and really excited for this much needed break for us and for you as we lean in to the secret and sacred. So all of the links and books we mentioned in today's episode will be over at our website as always, letsliveitwell.com. And if this has inspired you like it has us and you're going to take a break from social media before you do that, (laughs) tell us all about it, what your plans are, and we will be cheering you on all along the way. Yeah, we love hearing from you guys. And that's a wrap for today's episode. We're going to close it out like we do every time. Remember, you only get one life. Live Live it it well. well.